Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Every year on June 20th, the world celebrates World Refugee Day, an international day designated by the United Nations to celebrate the strength and courage of people who have been forced to flee their home country to escape conflict or persecution. We want to take this opportunity to recognize World Refugee Day to build empathy and understanding for refugees who are rebuilding their lives. According to the IRC, the International Rescue Committee, there are over 100 million people who have now been forcibly displaced worldwide as a result of ongoing conflicts and crisis in countries like Ukraine, Afghanistan, and Yemen. The refugee crisis is no longer a distant topic or one that happens only in certain parts of the world, but it is an issue closer to home than we realize, and one we must actively help find solutions for. Here in Los Angeles, I met Amrita Tadani, founder of Neococo, a company designed to empower women refugees resettling in the United States with jobs through the art of hand embroidery. Amrita started her career as a fashion stylist right out of college and worked her way up as an independent costume designer for films and advertising in India. With over 10 years of work experience, she moved to New York and studied fashion at Parsons. After graduating, she continued to work as a fashion stylist but also found purpose through volunteering on weekends with local refugee groups. As she developed meaningful relationships with the women, she learned about some of the biggest challenges facing refugees, which include securing housing, adjusting to a different culture, finding a job, surviving on food stamps, and learning a foreign language. This led her to start Neococo in the fall of 2017. The refugee crisis is one of the biggest challenges in the world today. That's why I'm excited to have this conversation with Amarita to discuss refugee resettlement and how we can be a part of the solution through fair employment. Stick around to the end for an exclusive discount to shop at neococo.com. Welcome. Hi, Amarita. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Alicia. How are you doing? Good. I'm so excited to dive in. I remember we've been like talking about this forever. Like I need to get you on this podcast to talk about your story. So this is so exciting. Same. Same. So first of all, tell us how you came up with the name Neococo. I registered this name in high school, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. And the name comes from a chieftain's wife from the Kayan tribe. Mm. And what was most fascinating about her story was she spoke of how every woman in that tribe was employed and was working and Mm -hmm. how through financial independence, making sure that all the women in the tribe were financially independent. She spoke of, you know, a healthier community, a sense of belonging, raising happier families, you know, and prosperity within the community. Mm -hmm. And that is what really stuck with me. And the name was so cute. I was like, 
Miyokoko. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it just has a nice sound to it. Uh, but that was most fascinating about the story. And that stuck with me. Yeah. And that's where the name comes from. That's so fun. I didn't know that. Yeah. And at the time, I had no idea what I was going to use it for. But, mm. you know, I just liked the sound of it. Uh, and there you go. Like, you know, 10 years later, I started Neococo. So when I thought about starting Neococo, I was like, oh, I have this name and it's perfect. It just felt like the perfect fit. Like, it was yeah. a complete no brainer. That's awesome. So what was your first encounter that sparked the idea of starting this social enterprise called Neococo and working with refugees resettling in America? So I moved to the United States in 2010, you know, and in 2011, when I started going to Parsons, the new school of design, the Syrian refugee crisis was all over the news at the time. And I remember just being in school, listening to students because I was so new here, having conversations about the crisis and, you know, like having opinions about it. And it just felt like such a healthier way of discussing things where it, it was like, you know, that it's okay to have your opinions and to voice it and to talk about it, you know. And I wasn't brought up like that. It was mm. almost like, you know, this is how it is. And everyone just kind of went with the flow mm. in terms of government policies and things like that. Like people, yes, did blame the government, but it was always like, you don't fight back, you know. Yeah. So that was really encouraging to see. And at the same time, you know, I felt very much a part of it. And at the same time, like, you know, I was going through my own challenges as a student, you know, adjusting to a whole new life. And I remember at the time while I was applying for jobs, you know, I would send out my resumes and they would just go down this dark black hole where I had no idea if anyone was even like getting to read my resume or if it was even getting anywhere. So just this whole, you know, like I would have this conflict in my mind and I was always thinking like, if it's so difficult for me as an immigrant to, you know, get a job in this country, like what is happening out there to families that are coming into the United States and not out, not out of choice, you know, they're forced to like come here. So things like that, you know, that got me thinking that at some point, like I wanted to do something about it. Mm. And I've always been a problem solver. Like if I see a problem, I want to like be a part of it. I want to like solve it. Mm -hmm. And at the back of my mind, you know, I was thinking of like ways of how, you know, there could be like small solutions to it. Mm. And that's when I started like, you know, reaching out and educating myself on different resettlement agencies that were in New York. We also moved to Los Angeles at the time. Mm. You know, I had my daughter at the time. So there was a lot going on. So it did give me a huge three to four years to uh look into things, you know, to talk to agencies, to start volunteering, you know, to meet with local churches and see how families were like coming into Los Angeles and what kind of help they needed. And that's how I started volunteering with agencies. Yeah. And in really small, tiny groups, you know, we'd meet up with like four or five women and I'd talk to them. I'd try to figure out what it is they needed, childcare being one of the biggest problems, you know, the issues that they had and having a job, like it wasn't easy for them to like work in a restaurant, anything that took them out away from their kids and their home. It was not, you know, an easy job for them to get. 
So that's where we came up with hand embroidery, because also culturally, that is something that I recognized in them, you know, and that's how we started Neococo. Okay, before I ask you the next question, I'm really curious, coming from an Asian background as well, what does your family think about you starting this social enterprise? (laughs) because Um, I know my answer I have some unique you know unique responses from my family (laughs) I don't think they understand the whole extent of it but I think they think of me as making clothes and selling them Uh, because back in India you know I worked as a costume designer and Mm. for films and advertising and at the time as well they didn't really understand exactly what I was doing Mm. you know and I was so passionate about it I loved it so much but for them it was just like oh so you gave him these pair of trousers to wear you know (laughs) something like that to that extent and I was like yeah it's fine never mind you know yeah yeah there wasn't like an interest in what I was doing really it's so interesting because yeah my I don't think my family fully understands what I do in Haiti either (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what encourages us. And like, you know, we don't want to be in a box, you know, we want to like create our own little box, you know, and we want to like work the Mm. way we want to work, you know, and like, I knew I wanted to make sure that nobody else felt that way, you know, that Mm. no other girl, you know, grew up thinking that you're only expected to like grow up and be married and some Mm. man will take care of you. Mm. You know, for me, it was much more than that. It was like, you can find a solution, you know, and no matter where you come from, try and be financially independent to some extent, because it does help you in so many ways than just money. Yeah. And I, I hear that passion and I believe that's the passion you're carrying into working with refugees and wanting them to feel that financial independence. It's so powerful. Why did you specifically choose to start with hand embroidery? I was trying to think of like, what is the quickest and the fastest way for them to start working? You know, and I remember when we started meeting in groups, we would talk about art being such a, you know, beautiful way for you to like immerse yourself into like conversations, you know, it's therapeutic. So it's like all these elements that I was thinking of, like how can we incorporate all of these elements and start some sort of art form to make sure that these women are working. Like it could either be like we were thinking of like painting, you know, and then we thought of hand embroidery. And we realized that everyone grew up, like including myself, you know, watching our moms and our grandmoms like hand embroider. Like they would sit in the evening and they would all hand embroider and they would find it like so therapeutic. But at the same time, that's when like the conversations happen, Mm. you know. So that's why we thought of hand embroidery. It's a slow process, you know, it's uh, therapeutic. And we wanted to come up with like the designs in a way that were part of every woman's journey, you know. So that's why hand embroidery. Yeah, that's so interesting because my mom taught me and I'm sure her mom taught her. That is so. And it wasn't even like, you know, you just like watch them and you learned, Mm -hmm. you know, and you'd sit with them and do it and practice and you learned how to do it. Yeah. Which is something that I I remember because I went to boarding school and all my bed sheets and pillowcases, uh, you know, it was like 
that one week before going to boarding school, at the start of every school year, that my aunts would sit with me and they would hand embroider my name on wow. every pillowcase and bed sheet. Wow. And I still have some of them with me today. Yeah. You know, so it, yeah. it, it just brings back those memories. Yeah. And then talking about the therapeutic side, I'm sure it's, you know, needed for the refugees and. Yeah. 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 And there was a very interesting article that I read in National Geographic about families while they're like, you know, traveling uh, from one country to another, you know, as refugees, like how some of the most valuable belongings are belongings that have been hand embroidered Mm. by them. You know, it could be like blankets, it could be, you know, like towels or throws, but they don't have much. So it's like they Mm. literally just put like their valuables in those blankets that have been hand embroidered bundle them Mm. up and leave the country you know so and there was a really beautiful representation of those blankets and I still have that article like every time I read it it just like I know why I'm doing Mm. what I'm doing you know yeah yeah Yeah, that's that is so special it's something about the memories that you create while doing Mm -hmm. it sorry to interrupt but we got to tell you this did you know that Fairtrade LA led the campaign that officially designated Los Angeles the largest fair trade city in North America and the fourth largest in the world? We are a nonprofit that exists because of the support from people like you. Become a Fairtrade LA monthly donor to ensure this educational content reaches as many people as possible. Go to fairtradela/donate to pledge your support. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Let's get back to the episode. So how do you develop your new products and designs? Like, do you sit with the ladies? How does that work? Like in terms of the artwork, obviously, you know, we wanted the artwork to represent the women. And when we started with one product, we wanted to start with a T-shirt, you know, because everyone wants to buy a T-shirt or owns a T-shirt, you know. So the artwork is obviously something that, you know, we discussed with the women And we talked about everyone's journeys, like everyone's stories and everyone's backgrounds. And the one thing that was in common, you know, amongst everyone's stories was the fact that each each woman was suppressed, you know, in back in her country, whether it was like, you know, not allowed to speak, not allowed to work, not allowed to go through a complete education. Mm -hmm. So we wanted the artwork to be bold. We wanted it to be a conversation starter, you know, where people look at it and they want to like talk about the artwork. And that's why we came up with the female forms, you know, and then the hand embroidery aspect as well, where people look at it and they're like, oh, that's not a print, you know, Mm. is that hand embroidered? And they want to come like closer to it. They want to like feel it, you know, so it was all those things that we were trying to like figure out, like how can we really have people talking about, you know, these women that are coming from different countries that they have these beautiful skills, Mm. you know, and how can we talk about empowering them, Mm. uh, you know, and break that barrier where they've never been encouraged to work, you know, Mm. and here they are in a country all by themselves or with their kids, you know, like starting a new life. And if there is a way for us to like start a program and work with them and, you know, like empower them through employment, then why not? Yeah, that's so powerful. 
I love hearing the the backstories because I know there's meaning behind all of the decisions you make. So then what are some of the impacts you've seen through your work at Neococo and this fair employment for the ladies you work with? So COVID has definitely put a dent, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of our plans that we have for the last two years. But I'm really excited to be starting our in-person workshops again in mm-hmm. June. That's where we really see the impact because it's it's very consistent when we have these programs, you know, the women come, we meet them in person and that's where they do the hand embroidery, you know, but in terms of like financial assistance, like, for example, we had one family with us that has moved from Iran. And at the time that she started working with us three years ago, she was living in a studio with her two sons. Every time I would go meet her, that, studio space had like one couch with like one bunk bed Mm -hmm. you know and it's like the three of them were living in that one little room her kids were teenagers at the time you know so it was getting more and more difficult for them to like live in that tight space Mm -hmm. but after working with us with Neococo like you know she was able to get herself an independent space like right next to her son's so, so that's the kind of impact we've seen, you know, but I, I feel like with COVID, we would have seen like much more impact. Uh, it's just been difficult for us to like meet with the women in person and our team had reduced quite a few in number, uh, but we are starting back up again in June and we are hoping to, you know, share more impactful stories with everyone. Yeah, but what I also love about how Neococo works is they're able to work from home as well. Yeah. So that's, I've heard that you was the criteria. Always. Yeah, share the stories of how you deliver the materials and then yeah. pick up the finished product. Like that's amazing to be able to empower them to work from home. Yeah, we also recognize that you know a lot of the women didn't speak English, you know, mm. didn't drive. So there were so many limitations already. We want to make sure that, you know, how can we come up with like a simpler, easier way? I understand like compared to other brands and other businesses, we are adding five extra steps to Mm. uh, the work that we are doing. But in the long run, you know, it's more impactful and you can see the impact. Yeah. I mean, it's people over profits. So it's so purposeful. I love that. So sometimes I've heard other companies and organizations share that with fair and sustainable employment, it can uplift the identity of refugees to makers and producers. So, you know, the word refugee often limits somebody as a victim of a crisis and versus makers and producers, they're like the creator of the product. So it helps elevate, you know, the identity and their status or just how they see themselves. Have you seen that shift in the women you work with? Yeah, definitely. And I believe like, you know, since day one that we started, they've always seen themselves as makers and producers of Mm -hmm. the product. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like giving them a blank canvas and they're Mm -hmm. the ones that are doing the work on it. So they own it, you know, it's like they can look at 10 t-shirts and they can point out at the ones that they have hand embroidered, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's how they recognize their work. So when it comes to, you know, like the term refugee, I mean, a refugee is someone who's like fled their country to find a safe place to live. 
mm-hmm. you know so that is a name that they will always carry with them mm-hmm. you know through all their documentations and everything yeah. else like for example like for me being an immigrant i am an alien apparently mm-hmm. and so through all my documentations you know it's like you know are you an alien so it took me a while to like figure out I'm like wait what is this you know but yeah apparently i'm an alien so i always have to like tick mark you know yeah. to say that yes i'm an alien <laughs> i didn't even think of it that way it's so true yeah but that's what it is and i and i know that you know we've had so many proud customers yeah. you know because we do so many markets in a year like we've had so many customers who'd come up to us and they'd be like do you know i'm a refugee mm. and they really own it because it's like they know what sets them apart is the fact that you know they come here with a completely different drive i can't even like imagine it i haven't been through it myself but imagine like losing everything mm. you know and you have to start from scratch so i think it is something that they own mm. you know but like yes when it comes to like making the products we've had some women in our team who didn't even know that they were refugees they're like oh okay like you know i came here as a refugee like you know so we had to like talk about what that word means mm. you know so there are like much bigger problems that they are dealing with yeah so yes when they're making the products and working on it they own it you know yeah. because it's like they're working on something that they enjoy working on you know mm. they are working towards being financially independent and right. you know they can see the impact of the work that they are doing yeah yeah, oh, yeah. i mean fair employment just brings dignity Yeah. people especially after they go through this like unbelievable experience yeah. is such a refuge for them yeah so. and to be able to work from home you know mm-hmm. while you can take care of your kids yeah. yeah it changes a lot it is such a they're so lucky and blessed to be able to work <laughs> with you seriously so you have also started partnering with other refugee organizations right So yeah. tell us about these collaboration opportunities and maybe that will inspire some of our listeners to partner with you or collaborate to make a difference. So one of the reasons for us to partner, you know, we've always been working with organizations such as the International Rescue Committee, Program for Torture Victims. They're doing such incredible work, but yes, you know, it's like once they're helping families like resettle in countries, then they kind of like hit a roadblock because what's next you know like the employment is what needs to like come in and that's where brands and companies you know like reach out to these organizations to help out and that's what we are doing partnering with them is you know a way for us to like extend our efforts and our outreach we do a lot of meaningful partnerships with like for example we did one with the IRC last year for world refugee day where all the t-shirts were hand embroidered by the women in our team and you know like all the ambassadors of IRC went on social media wearing those t-shirts and talking about the work that we are doing so something like that i mean can you imagine the impact that something like that can have on a brand you know when ambassadors of IRC are wearing a t-shirt you're using that product to mm-hmm. talk about the crisis but at the same yeah. time by mentioning the company and the work that they're doing we are able to hire so many more women yeah. you know at that point we'll really be able to integrate ourselves as a program with a non-profit organization and be a program that can really start assisting 
women with employment. Yeah, this is why I'm so passionate about fair trade because we're literally using business for good and it is so important for brands to rise up. All sizes, yeah. small, medium, large brands are so important. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always joking about, it's not a joke, but it's, you know, I always say this, that the products that we are making is a byproduct of the work that we are trying to do. And the more mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting into this, you know, I'm noticing that it is true. You know, yeah. it's like we are trying to sell the byproducts so that we can actually create the jobs for the women. Yeah, it's yeah. for much bigger purpose. Yeah, much, much bigger, bigger purpose. purpose, definitely. Yeah. So, so powerful. So as a fellow for-profit social impact business, um, I know that there's a lot of challenges that you face. So can you share some of these challenges you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, definitely our price points sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, can be a challenge for people to really understand where the money is going. We've struggled a little with price transparency, you know, and how is it that we can really educate people on every product and do like a breakdown of where the money is going. We just, you know, cleaned up our website and kind of we have like a new website right now where, you know, I think everything is explained really well in terms of every product. And uh, so that has definitely been one challenge, you know, because anyone would want to buy a designer brand instead of mm. buying a new Coco t-shirt, mm. you know, but who is making that t-shirt, you know, mm. where's that person living, you know, what impact a fair wage would have on a person living in Los Angeles, you mm. know, like a family that's moved to Los Angeles. So it's all these, you know, breakdowns that we've been able to really show on our new website right now. Also, I feel for us being an LLC, you know, mm-hmm has been a challenge, you know, but I feel like nonprofits have their own challenges as well. In the long run, you know, we, through employment, you know, we want to create space for women to grow within the company. And we want to make sure, you know, that our designs are really high end. Mm -hmm. So those are the challenges that we have when it comes to, you know, our business model. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like people drop hundreds and thousands of dollars on designer bag and don't question one bit how their supply chain is, where the money's going. Yeah. And yet as a social enterprise, people are, you know, questioning left and right, which they should about the impact that their dollar is making. But yeah, just in comparison to the, I mean, imagine people using their purchasing power from yeah. a designer handbag and putting that into these social enterprises. That would be so powerful. Yeah. And also we are only two years, you know, a little over two years old now. So it's been a little bit of work at our end as well, you know, and as a completely bootstrapped company, you know, we're trying to like figure out what is our next move, you know, how can we mm. be transparent and make sure that, you know, when someone comes to our website, they're getting the whole picture you know, because there've been so many elements to it, you know, it's like the artwork, you know, the t-shirt mm-hmm. production, you know, the design of it, the impact, you know, the 
picking up and the dropping off, just the logistics of it. So it's been a lot. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been a lot. But I the- will say, just looking at your website, it does not look like you're just a little over two years old. <laughs> it looks so good. That's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. So, and that's what it's been. You know, it's been me like really being critical about the website, you know, like looking at every page and just never finding it good enough, you know, but I'm always looking at it as an up outsider Mm -hmm. you know I'm like if I had to come on this website and if I had to buy a product you know what is it that I would want like how can I show that the design means something the supply and production chain means something you know like the stories of the women mean something that my story means something Mm -hmm. you know because it's been such a culmination of like all these things that have been such a learning lesson for me as well and I really wanted it to kind of like come together in a website so I think like you know we did a good job with that Yes, absolutely. So we were just talking about this before diving into the interview that we feel things so personally, you know, when we see news and, you know, this refugee crisis, this placement crisis is everywhere. Like, it seems like the crisis is only getting worse and worse. So I'm sure when you see these numbers and see this, you just want to jump in and dive in and want to do more. So I'm curious, what do you envision for the future of Neococo? What does scaling up look like? What are some of these, you know, impact potentials that you see in the future? Yeah. You know, when it comes to like, like when we started at the beginning, I remember, you know, telling nonprofit organizations that we want these women to use us as a platform, you know, where they can come work with us during the time that they're going through a transition, Mm. you know, and then they can bounce off from there, you know, to something different or to, you know, if they're moving from one country to another, say, for example, if they're moving from Syria to Turkey to the US, you know, like Mm. even if we are in Turkey, you know, to use us as a platform where, even though they're there for a short period of time, like, you know, they can work with us and then move forward. Mm. And I feel like the same way with like nonprofits, you know, we need their help and we want them to use us as a program, you know, like I want to be a program in every resettlement Mm. camp worldwide, you know, Mm. that when any family that's getting off a boat knows that there's a job waiting for them, Mm. So that is my big goal. But obviously, you know, we are taking it one step at a time, one moment at a time, uh, changing one life at a time. And eventually we'll get there, you know, but we want to expand in the sense that we want to be a program in different states. You know, we want to be assisting more women. Uh, We want to, we also want to increase our product line. You know, this year we just launched Home Goods. And this is us, like, you know, working with the families individually. We met a couple of families that had woodworking skills and we started making furniture, mm. you know. But obviously, like, the inspiration comes from, you know, the cultural backgrounds, like the weaves that they're familiar with. So mm. things like that. So that's that's the part that I really want to get involved in. And that's how mm. we see ourselves growing. Oh, it just makes my heart so happy because... That's just what I'm passionate about is providing these long-term solutions. I think I just, as the refugee crisis started growing, I just see that future of a bunch of humanitarian aid coming in, but that's all temporary, right? That's not going to help 
build their life back up. And I just see this crisis happening after the refugee crisis of these refugee camps becoming permanent residents when they weren't meant to be. And we need more and more groups like yours to come in and provide that fair employment and help break that cycle and get them into resettlement where they could actually find a permanent home. And uh, it's such a need. Yeah. And, you know, and those spaces are never safe for women Mm. and children, especially, you know, the lack of education, the lack of facilities, and frankly speaking, Alicia, like at the time when I started Neococo, like, you know, I didn't even think that the crisis was going to get worse. Mm. I mean, I just, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, the numbers have just keep doubling every year, you know, at this point, like, I just feel it's almost half the population, yeah. you know, which is scary. And the, the number of people that need the help. Mm. So I think like people really need to think of you know where do you want to like use your dollar to really buy from brands that are doing the work you know and do your research you know and that's why I feel like our website is such a huge part of it yeah now more than ever we have to incorporate working with refugees in our model because like you said it is everywhere and it keeps doubling and I mean after this war in Ukraine more refugees and it just does feel like it just keeps scaling up which is so scary yeah and it's not just one factor that's affecting it right I mean it's like climate change you know there's so many factors that are affecting the crisis so it's it's also becoming difficult for nonprofit organizations to continue and keep doing the work that they're doing. Yeah. What I love is that you are here in Los Angeles. So if any of our listeners are part of a nonprofit or a brand or just individuals that want to get involved, they can reach out. Definitely. Yeah. I'm even thinking like churches or groups that want to make hand embroidered t-shirts. I could see partnerships already. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. So I will definitely put your website and contact information in our show notes so people can find you. Sure. So as we bring our conversation to a close, we always like to ask our guests a fun question. So what is your favorite product from your collection? Uh, the formation tea. Which one? The formation tea. Okay. So it has okay. the women in one line mm. that are hand embroidered. So we've got like two colors in, in that design a black and a white and the black has the embroidery done in white and the white has the embroidery done in black that was the first design that we came up with you know Mm. and I remember like when I saw the finished product like I was just really so happy with it and it was almost like the best feminist t-shirt to buy Mm. you know and I mean I know that you know it should be a t-shirt in every woman's closet Mm. and you know, that they should wear it because it, we've had so many people who've come back to us and been like, oh my God, like, you know, I've had so many conversations about the refugee crisis because mm. of this t-shirt. I've had so many conversations about women's rights because of this t-shirt, mm. you know? So I think it really is impactful, you know, and it's doing the job that we wanted to do. You know, it's yeah. being a conversation starter. It's, you know, the, someone's wearing that t-shirt going out there mm-hmm. and people are asking about the artwork you know, and who's made it. It's got like a whole story to it. So that's definitely my favorite t-shirt. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. We'll definitely put that in our show notes. And people who are listening to the podcast, they won't be able to see this. But today I'm wearing one of your shirts that says refugees are courageous. Yeah, and that, that just... was the one we did in collaboration with the IRC, the International mm, Rescue Committee. Yeah. I love this so much. Yeah. Oh, the, the, every word on it. So yeah. powerful. So you guys can all find that on her website, neococo.com. So to... And this conversation, we have one final question that we ask every guest. What is one action step you want to encourage our listeners to take after this call? So this was the toughest question (laughs) for me, Alicia. (laughs) I know. You know, but I was thinking about what is it that I've been doing lately, you know, in terms of like making changes. And I feel it's almost like go back to, you know, some of the products that you use the most, you know, and take a look at them and really like research them and be like, okay, who made these products? You know, where is it coming from? You know, how is this impacting the makers, you know, like the carbon footprint that it has on the environment, like things like that. And really like, you know, narrow it down to, is there a better shift that you could make? Mm. Like, pick three or five of them, you know, yeah. the products that you use the most mm-hmm. and start from there. I've been trying to do that myself and yeah. I'm seeing myself, you know, having, being more minimalistic mm-hmm. and really using products that have a better impact on the world. So that's what uh, I would recommend you do. Yeah. That is what this podcast is about is really having people rethink their purchases and use their purchasing power for good. And I'm more and more impressed by the creativity and the product and the quality of the products that's coming out. That's made handmade by artisans globally. So definitely encourage people to dive into that. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So where can people find you? Where can people follow you and find you? So you can follow us on Instagram, neococo underscore tribe. And our website is neococo.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, Amrita. Thank you for everything that you're doing. You are such a light in a dark world. So thank Thank you. Thank you so much. I always enjoy having coffee with you or chatting with you. It's every time I see you, I'm like, oh, Alicia. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we have kindred Kindred spirits. spirits. We have. We do. We share the same heart and I'm excited. Actually, I didn't even share this. I'm excited because you are officially part of Fairtrail A and on our board and one of our business members. So again, just Fairtrail A is a place where we're gathering all these like-minded individuals like Amrita. So thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, awesome. Amrita is giving our listeners 10% off their entire site at neococo.com. Just use promo code NEO10, that is N-E-O-1-0, at checkout. As always, you can find more details in our show notes at fairtrailaorg slash podcast. You can be a part of the solution by helping refugee families resettle in America with a dignified job. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Caden Sullivan, and our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. 
Thank you again to our sponsor, Fairtrade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.